transition to the time of Sunday school. Uh, last month, we, uh, Pastor Kahure led us in uh, tackling the subject of the Lord's Day. And this month, we're beginning a series on the biblical view on politics. And this morning, I'd like to consider the various theological views that have been put forward concerning the view on politics. This is a topic many churches will shy away, but as a young church, I think it is important for us to understand politics from a biblical standpoint. And more than ever, we need to be very clear on this issue. So I'm not going to stand here and tell you whom you're going to vote for and choose for you. What I shall seek is to show you the theological views on the church involvement in political issues. I want, us, I want to begin by by saying that each of us has a political theory. You may say that you're not interested in politics. You may say that you're not concerned about politics. But that also is a view. Being neutral is also a view. So every one of us has presuppositions, has assumptions on politics and Christianity. And so I'll give, a, I'll give an introduction to views about politics. And um, the first view is government should compel religion. I've used the book by <coughs> Wayne Grudem, Politics According to the Bible. To come up with these uh, with these points, so government should compel religion. So th this is the idea that civil government should force people to support or to follow a particular religion. So this is a view that is um, common in Muslim countries, for example. Um, <coughs> where the government authoritates everyone to worship a particular religion. So this compulsion um, is, 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 is mandatory to everyone. And everyone who fails to comply faces severe penalties for their religious exercise. What do you think is the danger of compelling people to worship a particular religion? What do you think is the danger of compelling people to worship a particular religion? Or if, if I could ask, is it biblical? Is it biblical to compel people to practice Christianity? 
anyone? What do you mean by compel? So the, the government makes um, Christianity compulsory to everyone. Force, so they, force. Yes, they force people. So they rule out any other kind of religion. Is it biblical? Anyone? <laughs> or is it okay to, yes? Or is it okay to force people to, to, to be Muslims or to force people to be Christians? Yes, Simon. Sojourners would come and live with them, but they wouldn't compromise their laws. So they would come willingly to obey their laws. So in some sense, the condition for them it was, this is how we live, and welcome if you want to obey our law. Uh, but again, I don't think it's like, for example, you find us, a country like this where there is diversity of, of religion, and you take, in this case, Christianity and establish it and say to be the only rule. Uh, I think that's not the right way we should go about it because I think you'll be, you'll be having hypocrites in your team because people will just be obeying for the sake of Mr. Kikuliwa or I don't want to be chased out of the country. So not primarily because they have seen the importance of God and, and turning to him, mm -hmm. but it's because it has become a law for them. So I don't think that's the right way to approach it. But if the country was Christian, first of all, by as in what to do for Christian, mm -hmm. then it would be right to tell the people who are coming this is how we are living or we should live. Mm -hmm. So Simon doesn't see, Simon sees a problem if you force people to practice a, a particular religion. Why? Because they, they are practicing it under threat, isn't it? They're just doing it because that is the law of the land. But truly, they do not subscribe to it. Yes, another reason you could quote a passage in scripture. Um, is it okay to compel people to... Yes, Victor. So, uh, through, through Kings and Chronicles, mm -hmm. we see a lot of uh, things ranking with, uh, with ideology. Mm -hmm. Like, um, let, let, let's worship a certain God, mm -hmm. the bad, and they decree that uh, that is the only God we should worship. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have seen a number of things do that. So I think my problem with it, aside from the fact that uh, religion should not only be a rule of law, but a practice of faith. So I think if, uh, if we base religion depending on the government, I think we'll have a problem because whatever government company would want to, would want to force the religion they subscribe to. 
And that is what I've seen through Chronicles and Kings. The king comes with the God they think should be served. So because uh, because one subscribes to Bezebul, it becomes the God of the season. Another comes with Baal and becomes the God of the season. So I think we may end up uh, confusing people and not even having a common ground on what God to be worship. It will be changing depending on the time mm. yeah. <coughs> yes it's Chumba. I think um, as you said uh, comparing uh, people to Christianity um, I think it will be uh, in a way right if uh, there is handling there is handling rightly of God's word because So you agree that people should be compelled to worship God as long as true doctrine is taught? Okay, that's interesting. Yes, yes. <coughs> think to compel is to force <laughs> yeah so when we go out for evangelism we seek to persuade people but we don't force them we don't compel them to we don't force them to believe against their conscience against their will we persuade them to be to be Christians so um, is there anyone else who has something to say yes because God has not forced us to worship him he has given us the freedom to choose good or evil we ourselves ought not to force people even though we know it is good we cannot force them to 
to a, to a particular religion. So <coughs> let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 verse 15. I'll read Matthew 22 verse 15 Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entangle him in his words and they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and you do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God, the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> if Jesus, let me ask, if Jesus had said yes to Roman taxes, how will it come out? How, how will it appear to to, to the Pharisees and to the people. So the context here is the Jews are under the rule of who? The Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire is hated by the Jews. So if Jesus was to say yes, he ran the risk of appearing to support the hated Roman Empire. If he, if he said no, to taxes, if he said, you people should not pay taxes. It will make Jesus to sound like a revolutionary against Rome's power. It will look as if Christ is, is opposing the Roman Empire. But Jesus takes his opponents by surprise. He says, show me the, show me the coin for the tax. And the denarius is brought and he asked, whose likeness and inscription is this? They say, Caesar's. He says, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. This is a remarkable statement because Jesus shows that there are two spheres of influence. There's one, on, a, on, the, on the one hand, there's the government. On the other hand, there's the religious life of the people. So that... Things like taxes, we are told in scripture, should be paid to the government. So the things that are Caesar's should be given to the Caesar's. And the implication here is the church should not seek to control the government in that area. If people are paying taxes, the, the church should not say people should not pay taxes. On the other hand, there are some religious things, and this implies that the civil government 
should not try to control the church because the church is in, an, in another sphere. But the distinction here is significant. So we see here very clearly that this is a passage that shows us that it is not up to the government to force religion on people. The government is in the sphere of the kingdom of the world. The church is in the sphere of the kingdom of redemption. And so both systems cannot are parallel to each other. We see another example of Jesus not forcing people, not compelling people to believe him. And um, we are told, for example, he went to the Samaritans and we are told that he was not received well. Look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 verse 51 When the days drew near for him to be taken up he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him but the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem and when his disciples James and John saw it. They said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on another village. So the disciples are giving Jesus the idea of what? Let's compel these people. Let's force these people to receive you, to worship you. But Jesus rebukes them. Jesus has nothing to do with idea he, 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 he refuses the attempt to try to force people to believe in him to follow him I think another reason is uh, I think what David, uh, Dennis mentioned is that genuine faith cannot be forced genuine faith comes from heaven true faith in God must be voluntary so if, if people are forced, people will have self-deception. People will deceive us that they are true believers. And this is a reason why governments should also not compel people. People, sh people should be left to their own will. And this is seen throughout the ministry of Jesus and the apostles. Because we see, even in Acts, Paul teaches... And he reasons with them. He tries to persuade them. He appeals to them. He urges them to follow Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28.
Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So people cannot be forced. Jesus does not force people. He calls people to come. He doesn't threaten people. He doesn't manipulate people. He calls on people. He persuades with them. He, he seeks to reason with them. Another reason why we cannot force people, force religion on people, is because the kingdom of God is not a worldly kingdom. It is not the kingdom of this world. When Jesus is captured by Pilate, he tells Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. John 18 verse 36. So Jesus refuses to have his disciples fight with swords and military power because his kingdom is not of this world. You see, earthly kingdoms are established by power, by force, by ruthlessness, military conquest. But Jesus' kingdom is established by what? The power of the gospel. To change the hearts of people. To bring men to trust and obey him. And this does, does not mean that the kingdom of God does not have effect on this world. The kingdom of God transforms and overcomes the world. It changes the hearts of people. It changes our convictions. And so the power of government should never be used to compel people to worship a particular religion. Anything you would like to ask or say before we move to the next to the next uh, view. We'll come to that. Uh, we'll come to that. Uh, the second view, if you could just <laughs> wait, uh, we'll come to to tackle that. If not now, the next class. The second view <coughs> is that the government should exclude religion. The government should get rid of religion. This is the opposite of compelling religion. 
<clears throat> according to this view these people believe that religious beliefs should never be mentioned in government functions or in government institutions religion should never play a role in decision making of politics or government this view believes that religious belief should be kept at home and kept quiet there should be no influence from religious groups in political process according to this view you'll find people saying you should not pray in public praying in public is offensive to me what do you think what do you think are the implications of this view if we seek to remove religion from government from politics what is the implication what is wrong with it leads to a secular culture a very um, you're removing God from society yeah yeah and what do you think is another implication or what do you think will happen if we removed God from the government So these people will argue um, if you quote the Ten Commandments you're compelling religion on me you're forcing me to believe your religion to believe the things that you believe yet I should be free to believe what I want to believe and those people will seek to remove religion from government so I think a good argument also is 
to say uh, is to make it very clear that the laws that we believe as Christians do not really establish religion, do they? They don't. If you believe, do not steal. Does that make you a Christian? We are not forcing our religion, our, our Christianity on them, because the laws that we believe in doesn't make them a Christian. So, the Ten Commandments doesn't establish a religion. And you find that most religions, if not all, are against murder, are against most of the laws, stealing, coveting, and such things. I agree, if, if we re exclude religion from the society, practices like abortion, homosexuality, it, they become the norm because there's no law restraining people to live however they want to live. Another reason, it changes freedom of religion into freedom from religion. If you remove religion and force people not to worship their God, you're denying them their basic right to worship God. So there's a sense this person is claiming that you're forcing religion on me, but on the other hand, he's forcing the Christian or the Muslim or whatever person not to worship their God. Yet we know from scripture that the government is to protect the rights that are given to people by God. We know from our constitution that all men are created equal. All men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life and liberty. It will also restrict the freedom of speech because you cannot speak, you cannot outwardly speak the way you want. This, 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 the denial to exercise freely your religion. <clears throat> I think another thing that has been mentioned is it removes from government God's teaching about good and evil. Because if you remove religion, who is going to define good and evil? It is left in the eyes of men so that evil in the eyes of one could be good to someone else. So it removes from government God's teaching about good and evil. The third view, so the first view is about compelling religion, the second is excluding religion, the third view, and this is uh, a view that is uh, really rapidly growing, 
there are people who believe that all government is evil and demonic. There are people who say that all government is evil and demonic. They say that the government is infected by evil demonic forces. Government is affected by the realm of Satan and his forces. And so government is worldly. It is demonic. These people will argue and say that Jesus taught us to turn the other cheek. The best way to resolve dispute, dispute is never to use military force, but always to negotiate and build friendships and act in a Christ-like way. What do you think is wrong with this view that all government is evil and demonic? Is there a place in scripture we are told that government is good there's a part of of the government which is good anyone Let's turn to Romans chapter 13. Someone can read from verse 1 to 6 of Romans chapter 13. Thank you. It's very clear from Peter and Paul in Romans chapter 13 that civil governments are established to punish those who do evil. Civil governments are established by who? By God. To praise those who do good. But Satan, Satan encourage, uh, discourages and attacks those who do good. Peter says, be, be subject for the Lord's sake to every institution. So the argument is, will God command Christians 
to be subject to the government if the CEO running the government is, is Satan himself? The answer is no. If all government is demonic and evil, it means that all government is run by who? By Satan. And so when we are commanded to be subject to it, it looks a contradiction. Yes, we know that Satan uses his agents and his forces to commit evil, even in high places. Satan influences some individuals in government, but he's not in control. God is in control of all governments. What do you think will be your reaction if you are taught today that all government is evil and demonic? What will be your attitude towards government? How will you react to it? You're told that if you are told to believe that the government is evil, what will happen? You, your reaction will be to disobey it, isn't it? Yet, what does the Bible command you as a, as a Christian? To obey those in authority, isn't it? So, you're really not solving anything by claiming that the government is evil. Yes, there's a sense in which government is evil because. Satan is in control of some, of some people, but that doesn't make it uh, totally evil. A anything you'd like to say before we move to the, to the next view? So the fourth view claims that we do evangelism, not politics. That our duty, our responsibility is to do evangelism and not politics. These people say, why should you preach the gospel? These people say we should just preach the gospel and that is the only way Christians can hope to change people's hearts and change our society. People, these people say that the church is only called to preach the gospel, not to preach about politics. What do you think is wrong with this view? If you never mention the issue of good governance, the issue of moral, soci moral society, 
moral uprightness in the society if you never mention issues that relate to politics? What do you think is wrong with this view? stands to that idea and say we just speak about the gospel we don't we would speak about uh, the, uh, the political environment and such things mm. then in some sense we would be saying that there are some people that are out of touch for the gospel mm. or to be talked to mm. so in some sense it has power to show you I don't know mm. but I don't think it's right okay Yes. I think if, if a church um, is not dealing with much about the matter of this, like what you are saying, as Christ is saying, mm. that uh, this kingdom is not of this world, and therefore the business of the church should not be entirely uh, about this world, mm. not even entirely, should not be much geared towards the things of but a church in a post-forum uh, political discussion and, and such things which are not what is the mindset so uh, if a leader is ascending to politics the business is not much about the but to see to it that uh, they will serve the people in the capacity of worldliness and what we are influencing this person because most of the leaders who see them going to politics are few hours there. So we are influencing them from a tender age. We are influencing their belief, which is uh, more than they probably the church is Christian. Not to grow up in a Christian environment where they know what is right and what is wrong. But when they go to government, they will do things as as is somewhat uh, obedient to God or if they are going to politics and they are Christian they will influence from a uh, work or uh, already affected by the word of God in the sense that they are good or they are they are they know what is right and what is wrong. But if a person with a Christian too I think for politics the system, for example, like the one we have, they will do little to, to know, to nothing. So, now actually, they will be, they will buy the philosophy of the politicians and they will 
but you find a Christian who was seemingly good at his politics and anageuka or afanyi chenye alisema ataenda kufanya so i believe that uh, the church should be actually this is what i would propose they should focus on evangelism but of course that does not mean that uh, individually a person should not maybe seek to know what is going on in politics mm. they should not read the canon constitution mm. they should not know what is going on in the last mm. i think that would also be wrong yeah if we held this view I agree with what Joel is saying we, we will not have this class for example because we will always be saying our primary view is to preach the gospel and not do anything else not even talk about politics um, I believe that's a very narrow way of looking at the gospel Jesus says as he sends out his disciples in Matthew 28 verse 19 to 20 go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you teaching everyone everything that Christ has commanded us and so Christ has commanded us to view everything from the angle of the gospel and so if we say that we are not we will not view politics in a biblical way we'll only preach the gospel really we are narrowing the scope of the gospel and so teaching them to do all that i have commanded you means that we should faithfully teach the entire bible to those who become disciples of jesus and so the entire bible includes instructions about civil government and Christians should learn how to influence governments for the good because this is what is taught in scripture So another reason why we should not only preach the gospel but also influence people to see uh, politics in a biblical way is because God established both the church and the government to restrain evil. But talking about politics should not distract us from our main task of preaching the gospel. Christians should influence governments in a positive way. And then the last view the last view says do politics not evangelism. This is the opposite. Do politics not evangelism. This is the view that that holds that the church should try to change the laws and the culture and should not emphasize on evangelism. This is the primary emphasis of the social gospel movement. I'm not sure whether you've heard of them. Some churches teach people to be good, to do good things to your neighbor, be an upright person in the society. 
but they'll never tell you to preach the gospel to, to people. These are Christians who will emphasize on political involvement and not doing evangelism. They think that helping people to come out of poverty, to come out of drugs and prostitution, will really help the people, will really help the society. But clearly, that is not right. What do you think is th this view fails to address? If we seek to do politics and not evangelism, what are we bypassing? else do you think we are bypassing to insist on preaching politics and not the gospel yes Victor people the power of the gospel yeah um, <clears throat> anything you'd like to say before I close of the gospel to run for a political seat um, I believe it's it's wrong because if you've been called into ministry that is the calling that is the highest calling <laughs> I think it's Billy Graham or I can't remember who says that uh, if, if I've been called to this highest calling to preach the gospel why would I bow down why would I go low to such positions? Yeah. The, the, preaching, the call to preach the gospel is the highest privilege someone can receive. And so if someone decides to run for office because they have not understood the great call in their life, I believe it is wrong. I think it's wrong. Unless maybe you have a different view. <laughs> Yeah.
so what I've done is to try to make you see that in all these views there's an element of truth in, in them those views are not entirely wrong um, if you say that the church should evangelize and not do politics there's an element in which that statement is right isn't it? if you say that The, the 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 church should uh, sorry if you say that the government should compel religion should force religion there's an element in which it is right there's an you can nuance it in a way that it is correct there's a way in which you can say government right now or today is influencing religion because there's freedom of religion for example because the constitution of this country is based on the tenets of Christianity and so next week we will seek to see the biblical what I believe is the biblical view of politics um, yes unless there's any question we'll seek to see also if Kenya is a Christian nation do, do you think Kenya is a Christian nation And if you believe Kenya is a Christian nation, is there anything like a Christian nation under the new covenant? Yeah, let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for granting us opportunity to consider this subject of politics according to your word. We pray that you may help us to view everything according to the scripture. Help us, Lord, to not merely be hearers of your word, but also be doers. Do shape our views and our worldviews to be glorifying to your name. Forgive us for our sins, for we know that we are sinful creatures. We fall short of your glory. Do pardon us of every iniquity and lead us, Lord, in your paths of righteousness for your name's sake. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.